Hi everyone, and welcome to HubShots episode 205. How to use HubSpot CTAs, should I say smart CTAs, smart email content, and how to copy a form submit field into a deal. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, features, and strategies for growing your sales, service, and marketing results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Well, good evening to you, Ian. It's uh, a late one tonight, but uh, finally getting there. Hey, you've got a shout out. I do. I got a shout out to Christine all the way from Vienna. Thanks for listening and thanks for connecting with us. It is so good to connect with people all around the world and we love it. Thank you, listeners. Now, Craig, as of this evening when we're recording the podcast, which is the 28th of May, inbound 2020 registrations are open. So I would encourage people to go and register for inbound. Yes, looking forward to that. It's all going to be online, of course. And we've updated inbound countdown as we do every year. So, Craig, how many um, days to inbound? I think as we record this, it is 113. Wow. 116, sorry. So, listeners, like I said last episode, it is a great opportunity to experience inbound for those of you that haven't been to Boston and, uh, you know, Craig, I'm disappointed we're not going to get any clam chowder and lobster rolls. But hey, you know. You know, I think there's an opportunity in the market for a, a Sydney-based clam chowder. We've we got to find one. We'll just bring back the memories. Now, listeners, if you are in Sydney and you do have clam chowder and lobster rolls, let us know. <laughs> yes, please. All right, Craig, on to our marketing feature of the week. And we're going to talk about smart CTAs or calls to actions, as we would say. and. HubSpot has some amazing features around this. So we want to talk about it because I think it's an underutilized feature. Yeah, totally agree. I thought this was useful to put in uh, the show because it's not new by any means. And in fact, if you see the screenshot that I've included, this is from 2018, uh, some of the results uh, that I've highlighted. But smart CTAs, I think everyone knows what a CTA is, right? It could be a button or a link that's on a page or an email. Smart CTAs, and by the way, just before I go into smart CTAs, the real value of using CTA is because people will say, well, why would you use a CTA to create a button to put on a page? Why don't you just Put a button. You know, why, why would you do it? The value is around the reporting. You can see the stats, how many views it got, how many clicks, and also how many submissions. And people may not realize that this submissions reporting is if they've clicked on a link and gone through to another page, did that lead to a form submit? And that's really useful, I think, some insights. So that's a normal CTA. However, there's two additional features that you can do. You can actually make them smart or you can make them multivariate versions for testing. We're just going to talk about smart versions tonight. And what you get with a smart version is the ability to switch the CTA out based on any of those smart criteria. It could be a contact list, the device, the country, referral source language, lifecycle stage, and you can switch it out. And in the show notes, I've got a screenshot. This is from my portal, one of our smart CTAs, where you can see three versions. And then you can see how over time, some get more views and then submissions following on from that. So we tend to use them a lot in emails. I know a lot of people use them on just on websites. We find them particularly useful on emails. I will give a few examples in a second, but do you use smart CTAs a lot, Ian? We do, Craig. And Actually, what was interesting, and this is a little caveat, in the new drag-and-drop email editor, 
I was doing something with one of our clients the other day and I said, oh, instead of just putting the link, let's use a CTA so we can measure this and make it smart so we can change it out on anyway, because the email editor is in blocks, right? So you choose the text block and then you've got to have a button block where you can add the CTA, even if it's just a text link. Anyway, they were like, that doesn't look good because it was on the next line and the sentence didn't follow. So they said, oh, look, we're going to ditch that and just run with the link. So just be aware that if you're using a drag and drop editor, that can happen, especially if you're using a text link. Oh, just for a text link. Yeah, I tend not to use them for links, I have to say. They are problematic. And also, they're not responsive, the text-only CTA. So no, always there's a button. Yeah, good catch there. Look, some typical scenarios, and this is why I think people should use them. And in fact, when I was looking through our CTAs, apart from just general navigation buttons, which we use throughout our website, most of our CTAs, because we use them in emails a lot, are smart CTAs. In fact, we only had one multivariate. All the rest were smart CTAs. We have a few normal standard ones, but yeah, we use them a lot. So I very much recommend them, but they're great for following people down the funnel. So they initially see a default CTA. It could be an initial offer. Then you check, oh, have they actually downloaded that? Okay, show them another offer. Could be a VIP discount. Could be some upsell. Great for products. There's scenarios where you can use them. So listeners, if you're not using smart CTAs, check them out. All right, Craig, and on to our sales feature of the week. And I thought, let's go with the theme of smart. And this is about using smart content in emails. And these are, so I call these sales related emails. And I've got an example there of one to engage sales, re-engage sales leads that we haven't spoken to. And we use this smart content to change out the title or the headline and the content in the email, just to simplify the number of emails we have, but also give a personalized view to the the person that's getting it. So it's a great way to do it and keep a track of things. That's a really helpful example. So just be aware that when you're using it in the email, it's it's by contact list. So you need to make sure they're in a list as well to trigger that smart content. All right. What's our extra of the week, Craig? Actually, you just reminded me of something before when I was when I was talking about smart CTAs and I said all the different smart options you could use and I went through them all, contact list, device, etc. I actually, you've just uh, reminded me, yeah, in an email, you don't get all of those. On a page, you would for a CTA, but yeah, in emails, you obviously won't get um, anything that's uh, related, say, to referral source or things like that. It's normally contact list would be the way you'd go. Or life cycle stage, I think. Or life cycle stage, yeah. Yeah. All right, Craig, the extra of the week. And this is about how to copy a form submit field to a deal property. This was an excellent tip. You were showing me this because you actually posed this question. How do we actually do it? And you found a great solution for one of your clients. So talk us through it. Correct. So I think this is from my trying different things out. But what we want to do was they were create, I'll give you a scenario. They were creating a deal where sales were following up, but there was a particular field in the deal that needed to be updated. Now, after sales followed up, they would essentially then have a workflow that triggered emails that would say, you gave us a certain time frame that you would do this by. We just want to know, have you done it? So have you actually, in this case was, have you booked a venue for your event? And if so, 
can you tell us the venue so that we can then give you a proper quote? So here we go. We're like, okay, so we've got this deal now. It doesn't have this field that needs to be updated to give them a proper quote. And we're collecting this from a form property that the person, so you can't update a deal property directly from a form. So what we were doing was when the form gets submitted, we were running a workflow and it's a contact workflow to enroll them, to enroll them and copy a property. So, but one of the checks that we want to do is make sure that there is only one associated deal with that contact. Now, if there's multiple as you rightly pointed out to me, and I didn't realize, Craig, is that if you were to copy that property into the deal record, it'll copy into all of the deal record properties associated with that contact. But this is how you do it. So what we've done is we've essentially said, look, if it's got one deal, then copy it. If it hasn't, then we're flagging sales to manually update this with the information that's been given from the form submit. And essentially we've created the properties in the contact record, which we are then copying across into the deal record. So they are the same type of fields. Great tip. And yeah, really nice. And you were showing me, we don't have this in the show notes, so you're showing me some of the workflows you've set up for this client. Really sophisticated workflows. Yeah, really nice job. And my tip there was that it got really complicated. And then what we did was we stopped we went back, I think we we're using Lucid Chart, and we basically mapped everything out again and just got clear on what the outcome was. So, listeners, I want to just encourage you, like Craig's giving me praise here, but there was a moment in time where we were just totally confused and we had to stop and then go back to the drawing board just so we could understand what was going on. Well, I should do a marketing tip of the week about using Lucid Chart. Yeah. So, we'll do that in a future episode. Now, listeners, in this journey of uh, doing all of these workflows, we've got a HubSpot gotcha of the week. And what we were trying to do is we imported data in from another system. So we were easily able to identify who had been imported. And what we wanted to do, we wanted to create a list of people they needed to call, but you need to exclude the import that's come in. So I thought, okay, well, I don't want to exclude all imports because what uh, would happen if, say, you imported a contact from your phone or you imported one or two contacts manually, you don't want that excluded because you want them followed up. So I figured, okay, the original source drill down to property had the exact import ID or name, right? So I thought, okay, well, let's take that. So we only filter out the people in that particular import. Anyway, it didn't work. and I was, And I was like... This can't be happening. Contacted our good friends at HubSpot support and it took them a little time. But what actually happens in the original source drill down is what you see is not the value that the system is comparing. When you go to the contact record and you hover in the little eye on the corner, it gives you an ID and it's the ID that you need to use in a list to filter the contacts. And you've got a screenshot of this in there from their knowledge base article. Correct. Which it'll all make sense when you see that. But the gotcha, here's what you need to mentally just file away, folks. Ah, using original source drill down to doesn't work filtering. Why? Okay. Search for it or check out the show notes of episode 205. You'll thank us. There you go. All right, our marketing tip of the week, Craig, and this is to do with Google Search Console Web Vitals Report. 
And they've got this new uh, menu item called Core Web Vitals. And I would encourage people to log in and have a look at it. We've included a summary from Search Engine Journal that explains it really well. But they're looking at things like all the pages that are being looked at, site speed, and a few other things. And I know we always talk about this, but there is a wealth of information in there. So I encourage you to go back and look at it because this is the place where if things are going wrong, it's going to be flagged for you in in Google Search Console. Now, Craig, what was happening in HubSpot a year ago? You uh, reminded me of this, that they launched their merge tool or they officially launched. I think there was some beta pieces out for a while. Yeah, the merge tool. So they not only merge stuff using AI to do it intelligently, but they provided an actual tool where you could manually look at it. Oh, sorry, it doesn't automatically merge, but it uses AI to find the contacts that it thinks you should merge. And then they put it out as part of this tool so that you can then visually go through and compare them. So that was a year ago. That's right. And now this usually runs, I think, on the weekends. And you would, if you've got it enabled, you would get a report that X number of duplicates were found. Is that right? I didn't realize it was uh, periodic. Yeah, I get an email every Monday morning or Sunday night, Craig. What happens is it gives you a link to go have a look at it. Now, I thought, oh, this is fantastic because most of our accounts are all professional and enterprise accounts. We do have quite a few starter accounts as well. And I thought, I've been telling people, oh, this is great uh, tool that uh, HubSpot has to manage contact duplication. Anyway, on starter, you can't find it. So there's the gotcha. We should do a section on merge, merging contacts versus merging companies. I had a client actually ask about this. How do you merge companies? Like not how do you do it? Like how do you use the tool? But how do you have a process for it? And for contacts, I do try and keep my contacts merged. I do go through and merge them if I can. For companies, I just don't bother. If I look in our portal, we've got 2,000 duplicate companies. And I only do it case by case. If I'm coming across contacts and I'm like, oh, where's their colleagues? They're not here. Oh, okay. There's a duplicate company somewhere. You do tend to find this if they've got an a.com and then a .com.au company. And it does happen. But as a process, I just don't bother about it until it comes to a deal time. But we should have a whole section on that kind of hygiene around merging. Correct, Craig. And I think the other thing that you might find, especially if you're working with account-based marketing and sales, is that these company records become more and more important. Or for I know, for example. That's actually exactly how this came up around merging companies. Exactly right. Correct. And people we've been working with just understanding that there might be a umbrella company that in our case is Australia-wide and they have all these individual businesses in each state. So the salespeople, individual salespeople in their state look after this branch of that business and making sure you know who belongs to what and where they belong is it does take time to clean up. But it is interesting, especially if you're using all the ABM features within HubSpot, going through this process to do that is actually really valuable in keeping your data clean and also getting the right ABM stats out of the system so you can utilize them to target accounts correctly. Now, Craig, we've got a resource of the week, and this is about off-page SEO. We talk a lot about on-page SEO, and HubSpot has a lot of tools within the system that does that. Now, off-page SEO, and Brian Dean, who we often talk about on this show, has got another monster post about this. So I encourage users just to grow your understanding. You don't have to do this, but grow your understanding about 
what is off-page SEO and how you can utilize it in your business to gain good ranking. Craig, what's the quote of the week? You know, I'd use the Calm Meditation app. Yes. And each day they have a little quote, and this is from Calm, and it's a Zen adage. It says, you gather more flowers with an open hand than a closed fist. You might say, what's that got to do with marketing? Well, absolutely nothing, but it's around comparing humility with ego. And I just thought current things happening globally, uh, that is perhaps a message that some people need to hear. Now, listeners, we've got a bonus link, and this is a shout out to one of our Sydney locals, Nathan Reich from Content Chemistry. And he's got a great SEO checklist blog post that we've stuck in there. Thanks for reaching out, Nathan. And we've put a link in there in the show notes to that post. Listeners, again, we would love you to connect with us over LinkedIn. Please do tell us that you listen to the show. If you haven't realized, we have a YouTube channel. We'll be doing some new things on that shortly. We would love to connect with you. If you do need help with anything, please reach out to us. We are both happy to help you sort out and get through whatever you're going through and learn more about your businesses. So don't feel afraid. Reach out and say hello. Well, Craig, on that happy note, we shall see you next week. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hubshots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.